Good morning, everybody. If you have a Chumash and Rashi that you could um, bring close to the phone or wherever you're sitting, your computer, that would, I think, be very helpful today. Good morning. I just want to say, don't start. Are you saying, Sipa? Can't hear you. You're muted. but you'll tell me when to start, yes? Can you put your thumb up if you can hear me? Okay, Sipa, it seems like people can hear. Yes, I hear you. Okay, um, before we begin, I wanna really, from the bottom of my heart, thank our fearless and devoted facilitator, Sipa Wartimer, every Monday morning, here to make sure the Sicha is available. Okay, and somebody asked for the link. Um, Mrs. Rutsky, if you can give your email to the project or even send it to me and I'll send it to them, then you'll get a link to the Sikha every Sunday night, latest. Um, but I'm sure soon somebody will post the link in the chat box. Okay, Sipa, should I begin? Zippa, can you unmute yourself and tell me what, what's going on in your end so I know if I should begin or not? Okay, Zippa posted the link. Yeah, Zippa says it's being recorded for a few seconds. You can start. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Okay, good morning, everyone. On this Erev Kavdala Tevis, um, we have a very special sicha. It's uh, longer than the last few sichas we've done together and will require a little bit more concentration, but I promise you, um, very much, of course, worthwhile. Um, we're learning the sicha, Lizchus, Rafur Shalema of Rav Yosef Yitzhak ben Simachasia. Maybe she should give him. Um, our sicha today is going to explore um, the juxtaposition and the, the differences in two Rashis. So we're going to um, 
review the Psukim and the seminal Rashis and then go into the Sikha, and I believe that will be um, very helpful to us. So we're going to begin at the end of last week's Parsha, Parsha Shemais, um, in Pasukhav Beis. So we're going to go to the Maftir portion of last week's Parsha. Parakei, Pasukhav Beis, chapter 5, verse 22. Um, and these are some of the most iconic words that Moshe Rabbeinu ever uttered. After speaking with Parai, by Yashav Moshe Hashem, Moshe returned to Hashem, by Yemer, and he said, Adonai, my master, Lama hari Isa la'am hazeh, Lama zeh Why have you brought harm to these people? Why did you send me? Because ever since I came to power to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people. And you have not rescued your people. Um, so you could see in these poignant words a tremendous amount of upset and, and uh, frustration. By Yemer Hashem Moshe, Pasuk Aleph and Paragvav, and Hashem says to Moshe, return. Now you will see what I will do to Pari. Because with my strong arm, he will let them go. Or by my strong hand, he will let them go. And by a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. Please take a look at Rashi. Under the words Ata Sira, and now you will see Rashi Aleph. And Rashi said, Here, Harta Al you have questioned my ways. You have, um, you have second guessed me. Like Avraham, not like Avraham. I said to Avraham, I told Avraham that he was going to have seed, he was going to have progeny through. And afterwards, I actually commanded him to bring Yitzchak up as a sacrifice. And he never questioned me. And therefore, because you questioned me, you will see. What will you see? You'll see You'll see what will be done to Pari. But you will not merit to bear witness to what would be done to the kings of the seven nations when I will bring them to the land. And so we see that the antecedents of Moshe's punishment of not going into Eretz Israel are already present at this moment. So this is one Rashi that we're going to be uh, looking at today. And now we go further into Parsha's Va'era, our Parsha. Hashem. Shem spoke to Moshe, he said, I am God, Shaddai. I revealed myself to Avram, to Yitzhak and Yaakov as the Almighty. But my name, the name, the ineffable name, Havaya, I did not make known to them. The Gama Kimasius Prisi Tam, I have established my covenant with them, Lasse Slamis Eretz Canaan, to give them the land of Canaan. 
as Eretz Migurehem, the land of the sojourning, Asher Gorubo, where they lived as stranger. I have also heard the groaning of Bnei Israel, whom the Egyptians enslaved, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to Bnei Israel at this moment, Ani Hashem, I am Hashem, I will bring you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm. I'm sorry, I will save you from their slavery. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. With acts of great judgment. I will take you to myself as people. And I will bring, I will be to you, Hashem. And you will know that I am Hashem, your God, who is bringing you out from under the burdens of Egypt. I will bring you to the land regarding which I raised my hand. I made a shvur that I would bring you. I made a shvur that I would give it to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. I will give it to you as an inheritance. Ani Hashem. Moshe spoke these words but they could not listen to the words of Moshe because of their distress and their hard labor. They were simply unable to hear this message. And on the words under the words Rashi explains that if someone is in a distressed state, in a short of breath, he cannot draw long breaths. And then he goes on to um, explain about Hashem names that are being used and that we can be sure that Hashem will be, make good on any punishment and how much more so on a reward. And then in the middle of this Rashi, Rashi begins the second part with the words of Rabbi Seinu Dirashuhu. The sages, however, explained it, explained what Hashem just said to Meshem, as referring to what is discussed earlier, where earlier, at the end of the previous parsha. Because Meshem said, why have you brought harm onto the Jewish people? Amar Kadesh Baruch Hu, Hashem said to him, Chaval al da'ovdin v'la mishtakrin. Woe for those who are gone and cannot be replaced. And Hashem goes on to say to Moshe, Yesh li l'hisainin al misas ha'aves. I have great reason to mourn the deaths of the aves, of the patriarchs. Harbei pa'abem l'iglesi alehem bekel shadai. Many times I revealed myself to them with that name. And they never said, what is your name? But you said, when they're going to ask, what is his name? What should I tell them? So you kind of challenged me. You wanted to know what my name is, Moshe. The others never did that. Although they also, one could say, had reason to question what was going on. For instance, look at the next part of Rashi. When Avram sought to bury Sarah, he could not find a kever. 
until he had to buy it at an astronomical sum, even though I had promised him that entire land. And similarly, concerning Yitzchak, there was opposition to him on account of the wells that he wanted to dig. And similarly, concerning Yaakov, when he wanted to buy a parcel of land with which to bury Yosef, <coughs> he didn't, it wasn't easy. He had to buy the part of the land in order to pitch his tent. And yet, but the Avais never questioned my attributes. And you, on the other hand, not only asked, but you actually challenged me and you said, why did you bring Karim? And then Rashi says, However, this Midrash does not flow with a text. So Rashi brings this elongated explanation and ends this part of the Rashi by saying, but it doesn't flow with the text, okay? So um, with this preface, now let's uh, look into the, the Sikha. Um, if there's any um, point where you feel that it should be repeated or that I have not said it clearly, please don't hesitate, unmute yourself and, um, and ask me to repeat. You could also uh, type it in the chat. I have the chat open, but sometimes I don't see it. Um, so if, 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 I, if you write a question, I don't see it, just unmute yourself. Okay, Aleph. We have already explained many times, the Rebbe has already explained many times, that although Rashi comes first and foremost to explain the Pshutah Mikra, within his commentary are found in Yonim Mufla'im, wondrous concepts that have its roots and these are wondrous concepts that are found in the other parts of Pardes, not necessarily Mshat, it could be in Remez, it could be in Drush, it could be in Said, and including Yena Shalter, the wine, the deepest part, the most precious part of Tayr. But in order to be able to extract these other wondrous teachings, these other aspects, the Shar that are found in the other strata of Torah's explanation, first and foremost, you have to preface with understanding the Rashi Al Peep Shat. So the Rebbe begins to explain. This Rashi after Rashi explains um, the shot of the Psukim at the beginning of Parsha's Va'era, after the, that part, he continues and he says, as we have just reviewed, Rabbi Senu Darshu and our rabbis taught as Taichen Psukim. So this is a case where Rashi doesn't stop on the exact words, but after kind of um, like a continuum of psukim, kind of like looking back, he says, Rabbi Senu Darshuhu, on all of these psukim, our rabbis expounded le'inyan shalmaila. They connected it to what was above, meaning the psukim of the last uh, parsha, the last few psukim, and most importantly, the words of Maisha Lama Hare Isla Amazeh. 
Why did you bring harm upon Bnei Yisrael? Amar le'yekadosh baruchu, Hashem said to him, chaval al da'abdin v'loy mishtakhin, woe is me upon those that have been lost and cannot be replaced. Yesh li l'hisaynin al misas ha'avayz ha'bey pa'amim, I'm sorry, yesh li l'hisaynin al misas ha'avayz, I have much to be moan for the death of the patriarchs, ha'bey pa'amim niglesi alehim, many times I appear to them with the name Kel Shakai Shad Veloy Amruli Mashemecha. And they never, they never, um, they never like pushed back. They never challenged me. What is your name? Va'ata Marta Mashemai. And you said, What is your name? Ma What shall I say to Bene Sol? What shall I say to Paro when they ask me who sent me? The Gama Kimoisi Begoimer. And I have and I fulfilled my my uh my I, I set up oaths with them. And even though I set up an oath with the patriarchs, with the Avais, that I'm going to give them the land of Canaan, Eretz Yisrael, but still in all, but when it came to finding a place to bury uh, Sarah, it did not come easy to, to Avram at all. In fact, he had to pay some kind of astronomical um, sum, the Chaim B'Yitzchak, a and then Yitzhak met with opposition when he tried to dig wells again, although he had been promised that this land would belong to him in its entirety. And Yaakov also had to pay a crazy amount of money to buy um, the parcel of land in Shechem. But nonetheless, the others did not, they didn't second guess me. And you, on the other hand, you actually said, why did you bring harm upon Bnei Yisrael? And Rashi concludes, or Messiah, and he concludes that part of his shot, Ein hamidrash And this Midrash, in fact, does not jibe with the Psukim. So if it doesn't jibe with the Psukim, why do you bring it down in its entirety? Uh, the Rebbe has taught us that... Um, Rashi is very parsimonious with his words. And so here he's bringing down this long medrash. And then he says, but it's not, but, but, but it really doesn't jive with the words here. But in contradistinction to what Rashi does here at the end of Parsha Shemais on the words, I'm sorry, and right after Hashem says, now you're going to see. Which is Hashem's response to the words, Lama Hari Isa, why did you bring harm to Bnei Yisrael? Kasav Rashi, on those words Rashi wrote, Gerharti al you challenged my attributes, Loich Avram Shamartali, Loi, not like Avram that I said to him, and and you you challenged my my attributes, unlike Avraham, who I who to whom I promised that he would have seed, that he would have progeny from Yitzchak, and 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 then after that I gave him a commandment to bring Yitzchak up as an Ola, and he never he never challenged my attributes. So it says we have three questions. We have to we have to understand Aleph. First question is, why in our Parsha 
under the words of Rabbi Seinu Darshuhu, does Rashi feel compelled to bring proofs regarding all three of the patriarchs that they did not challenge Hashem's attributes. Whereas at the end of Parsha Shemais, he only brings proof from Avraham. Beis. Gam benegel Avraham gufa. And when we talk about Avraham himself, Perish Rashi beparshaseinu as the inin delohiru achar emidaisai b'moura achar achar in our parsha Avram Avram is is the first proof that the, that the patriarchs did not did not push back they did not challenge Hashem but it's a completely different incident than the one referenced at the end of last week's parsha in our parsha it's about Avram looking for a place to bury Sarah. And it's not like what Rashi cited at the end of last week's parsha regarding Yitzchak. So why does Rashi change his example? Why does Rashi change his, uh, you know, exhibit A of the way in which Avram did not push back from last week's parsha to this week's parsha? That's the second question. The third question, Ve'ikar b'seif parsha shmeis hevi Rashi sapirish lo hear her stop. Last week's parsha, Rashi brings down that they did not, they did not question, they did not challenge. And that is his pelush according to Pshat. But in our parsha, before he says that, he prefaces by saying, "Our rabbis taught or expounded." So on last week's parsha. Rashi did not qualify that this is a drash. He brought it down without any qualification, which means he was bringing it down as pshat. Here, he's qualifying that this is what our rabbis expounded. This is what our rabbis taught through the medium of drash, of exposition. And even more, Drash, I'm sorry, Asher Mikra. And not only does he bring a medrash, but he himself says this medrash does not conform with the flow of the psukim, which is Rashi, which is in contradiction to Rashi's own rules. He himself told us, and you can look at the footnotes in Bereshis Gimelches and in other places, Rashi himself tells us that when he brings Agada, when he brings a Medrash, it is only one that reconciles the words of the Pasuk, that explains the words of the Pasuk. And here he's saying, I've brought you a Medrash, but it doesn't jibe with the flow of the Pesukim. Okay, so very, very quickly, three questions. Why does he say in our parsha when he bring, when he gives a shot? Why does he feel compelled to give an example for each one of the others? But in last week's parsha, only Avraham. Why does he change the example? Last week's parsha, the example is that Hashem said to Avraham, "I'm going to give you seed through Yitzchak," and then right after that said, "Bring him up as a Eila." But in this week's parsha, it's about finding a place to bury Sarah and having to pay an exorbitant amount to purchase it when he should have been able to just take it because it was promised to him. And um, the main, the main issue is that in last week's parsha, this idea, this um, 
you know, comparing and contrasting of Ram, uh, the, the Amish, I'm sorry, against the Avos was seen as Pshat. And here it's being presented as a Medrash, and not only a Medrash, but a Medrash that Rashi himself says does not jibe with the Psukim base. We might say, that in order to actually understand all the questions listed above, we, we have to look carefully at this last question regarding how Rashi frames the, 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 the explanation. At the end of last week's Parsha and Shemais, Rashi explains the Pshutei Shel Mikra for the words cited over there. And according to Pshat, the words of the verse, and Hashem said to Moshe, now you will see, and over there, the words of Hashem are in direct response to Moshe's words, why have you made it more difficult? Why have you harmed this nation? And from when I came to speak to Pare in your name, things have gone from bad to worse. With this, Maisha was saying, not only did the mission that I went on in your behalf not effectuate the, um, the Hatzala, the, the saving of, of B'nai Yisrael, like Maisha says, and you never saved them. On the contrary, became worse for this nation. And therefore, I'm sorry, and therefore Hashem tells him because Moshe challenged Hashem in such a um, very, very obvious way, Hashem said, now you're going to see. What are you going to see? You'll see what happens to Parai. But, but you will not see what is done to the, to the kings of the seven nations. Because you doubted my actions. So clearly, Hashem is upset with Maisha. And so Rashi says, <clears throat> what Hashem is really saying is, you did not act in proper fashion like Avraham did when he was confronted with a similar situation. And yet, he did not push back. He did not doubt my actions. Even though before this, I told him he was going to have children through Yitzchak. Then I told him to bring Yitzchak up as a Ela before Yitzchak had been married and had any children. Hainu, this means Shahahaftacha, my promised Avram, my promise that he would have children. Gorma caused Kivenidun exactly like in this situation with Moshe, Sa'ar Naisaf, additional agony. 
Al derech, just like Moshe said, me'oz basi l'daber b'shmecha heira. From when I came to speak in your name, things got worse. In other words, there is a direct parallel here. And the Rebbe is going to explain this. Like we see very practically. Rebbe says you cannot compare the pain of somebody who never had children, although that is a very painful thing, but you can compare that to the pain that befalls a person to whom Hashem has promised, first of all, Hashem has blessed him with one single child, and that child was born to him at an old age, and then Hashem took away that child. And especially and especially if the father himself has to perform this terrible act of, of taking away his own child from himself. Okay, So just like Moshe, who was told, go to Pari, and you will affect the, 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 the freeing of B'nai Yisrael, you will affect their salvation, and then instead of there being a salvation, things only got worse. And yet Moshe doubted Hashem and Avram did not. And when we understand the precision of what Rashi is doing there, here, it's understood. Now we understand why Rashi in in, in our last week's parsha, parsha Shemais, would not bring the example that he brings in this week's parsha about how when Avram wanted to bury Sarah, he wasn't able to find a parcel until he paid a tremendous amount of money. And in like fashion, Yitzchak faced opposition and resistance when he wanted to dig wells, and Yaakov had to pay for a parcel of land that he wanted to buy. Yes, this is all um, upsetting annoying um, and, and, and uh, flies in the face of what Hashem had promised them, but it doesn't parallel Moshe's plea and Moshe's agony. Because it wasn't like Hashem's promise, that he will give him the land, was what caused the problem. But by Moshe, he felt that it was precisely by hearkening onto the word of Hashem and fulfilling his mission that he was causing a problem. Or by Avram, it was precisely the fact that Hashem had given him a mission, as it were. Hashem had said, and then that caused the tremendous pain when Hashem said, oh, bring him up as a Ola. So this type of doubt, this type of qualm, is only, okay, so if let's say the Avais would have pushed back against Hashem, their qualm or their doubt or their complaint would have been that after Hashem promised them al that they were going to get the land, 
It shouldn't have cost them so much. It shouldn't have cost Avraham so much to buy the parcel of land in Hebron. It shouldn't have cost Yitzchak opposition, um, facing opposition when he was trying to dig the wells. It shouldn't have cost Yaakov money. And therefore, this parallel is not analogous. It wouldn't have been the proper parallel to Moshe's doubting of Hashem. Because as explained, in, in Moshe's case, he felt that it was, it was his mission that Hashem gave him that caused a whole new level of harm to Bnei Yisrael. So that answers the question of why Rashi switched examples from last week's Parsha to this week's Parsha. But in this week's parsha, when Rashi opts to bring Medrash, where our rabbis taught that all of this that Hashem is saying in the beginning of this week's parsha is a continuation, is a continuum of what happened in last week's parsha when Hashem was challenged by and this is still a continuation of Hashem's response to Moshe in correspondence to the questions and the and the doubts and the challenges that Moshe generally brought against Hashem and not specifically addressing the additional pain that comes from feeling that is precisely in your overture that you were sent on, or in the, in the case of Ram, that you were promised that from there springs the additional doubt. That Rashi is addressing in last week's Parsha. Here, he's addressing more generally the whole conversation. And, and it's the whole thing of Hashem talking to Moshe and saying, you know, from the very beginning, you gave me resistance. You asked, what will I say your name is? What will I say to them? I mean, when they ask me what your name is, what will I answer? Move on, Hatam, Shehebi, Rashi, Tarashas, Razal, Umikol, Shleishas, so in last week's Parsha, Rashi's mandate is very, very focused. It's to bring a comparison that is analogous to Moshe's pain. And here it's more general, and Rashi brings examples when the Avais did not challenge Hashem, even though they had plenty of reason to have done so but they didn't challenge at all. Gimel. We might additionally say, when Moshe kind of exclaimed, why did you bring harm upon this nation? Another explanation that we might perhaps bring for the difference between Rashi there and Rashi here is to parse the text carefully and to say, well, when Moshe said those words, why did you bring harm upon B'nai Israel? This wasn't a personal issue. He was going to bat 
for all of B'nai Yisrael. This wasn't just a personal thing in his life. And therefore, the Rebbe says, perhaps you could say this is a second way of understanding why in last week's Parsha, Rashi does not bring the example of how Avram did not complain to Hashem when he was having trouble finding a parcel of land in which to bury Sarah. Because that was a personal thing. Sarah was his wife and he has to bury her. And it was a personal hiccup. And in like fashion with Yitzhak and Yaakov. Because in all of these instances, these were things that, that, that were relevant to them as, as private people. And therefore, we might we might be able to explain this, to reconcile why did they not complain to Hashem? Why did they not doubt Hashem? Because they had reason to believe that because this is a personal issue, it's possible that what Hashem promised them has now been taken back. Because perhaps they sinned and they were no longer worthy of Hashem's promise to them. And the Rebbe brings down, like Rashi explains to us, about why Yaakov was so afraid of Esav. He was afraid that maybe his chusim had run out. Maybe he had sinned and therefore he wasn't worthy. But in contradistinction, Tanas Moshe Nemra just Ra'as Klal Yisrael. But when Moshe complained to Hashem, it was about harm that befell all of Bnei Yisrael. And it's not possible, even Naniach, let's say that we would believe that Moshe, Moshe sinned. But it's not possible that Moshe sin should cause all of Bnei Yisrael harm. And that's why Rashi chose very carefully to bring the example that he did in last week's Parsha, which is about telling Avram to bring up Yitzchak Zayla after promising him that from Yitzchak Yikar Lechazara. Why? Because that example that Rashi brings in last week's Parsha is also not personal. Now, obviously it's personal because Avram is the father of Yitzchak, but it's not personal in that it's Negea, it's relevant to the entire history of the Jewish people. To the unfurling of the entire history. And therefore, in that case also, you can't, you know, um, there's no room to, to, to suspect that Yitzhak's life would have been truncated because of Avram's sin. After all, we're talking about the, the founding of the Jewish people. And so, therefore, it is parallel to what Moshe is going through. And still in all, Avraham never pushed back. He never doubted my actions, says Hashem. 
מה שאין כי הם ביצר ויעקב, שעצם לא מצינו מאורה כזה בהנהגה כזו. But we don't find something by Yitzhak and Yaakov um, that fits this exact mold where Hashem told them something that was relevant to all of Klal Yisrael, then Hashem kind of took it back or said something that was the opposite or caused that promise to cause harm to B'nai Yisrael, and still they did not doubt. So the Rebbe has now given us two reasons for, for the difference between last week's Rashi and this week's Rashi. So all of this jibes with pshat. But when you get to the level, but when you get to the level of medrash, which is connected, the Zahar says, to the neshama of the Torah, that the Alter Rebbe says that most of the secrets of the Torah are actually hidden in this level. So on that level, we have to look at the Avais as they are chariots to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Um, very, very quickly, just as a chariot cannot uh, chart its own course, it needs to be hitched up to a horse and there needs to be a driver. In the same way, the Avais and these words come from the Medrash and are cited widely in many, many places, the Avais too were bereft of any personal agenda. They were just like a Merkava, they're just sitting there. And they, their only agenda was Hashem's agenda. And so the Rebbe says that on, on, on the level of Rebbe Senu Darshu, when you start to look on the level of Medrash, which is the level that Dalt Rebbe says is where most of the secrets of Torah are found, then you have to look at the Avais as they are Merkavais. And just like there's a Merkava, just like, like Yechezkel taught us about the chariot, the celestial chariot that is above, there are chariots below. They are similarly like the chariots above. They have no agenda of their own. They are drawn by something larger than themselves. And so on that level, the whole idea of having been soiled by sin is not relevant to begin with, to Avois, because they are Merkavas. So because we're talking about people that are not shayach to sin, therefore, in this Rashi, which Rashi prefaces is Medrash, Medrash is a whole different level. We're ele- now going up many, many stories. We're taking the elevator up, and we're talking about the Avois, Mitzadim being Merkavois. On that level, there is no shaykhs to sin. So there's no reason to say that they may have lost a privilege, or Hashem may have reneged on a promise because of chit. And so therefore, on this level, we could talk even about private things. The Ma'ara Samach of Avram, the Indian Habe'eros de Yitzchak, and Vayikhen Eskalkas Hasada de Yaakov. Because by, if we're talking on the level of Merkava, there's no Havamina, there's, there's no, 
there's no um, even reason to think in the first place that there could have been a chait for which they lost a privilege. And so therefore we are bringing these examples. Rashi is bringing these examples as examples of when Hashem promised something, seemed to renege on it, and yet the Avos did not push back. And the reason Rashi could bring these examples is because the Avos were chariots to the celestial will all of their days. And um, Again, we, we have so much to do this morning. We can't we can't really stop and and and, and for bringing a talk at all. But just to say that I think this is one of the most distinctive uh, uh, areas in Chasidus. The whole the whole explanation of anything that the Avos did, even when it looks like it's a chait, in all of the sikhas, the Rebbe explains and Chasidus in general, starting from Alter Rebbe, explains what is really going on here. And, and it's that it's not like a pedestrian sin, like we might uh, view it when we look through the prism of our own lives and, and, and our own, you know, failings and flaws, et cetera. And we have a tendency to kind of overlay it over, um, you know, the Avaisi mice and so on and so forth. But when you understand that they are Merkavais, you understand that it's not possible. Could it be something that upset Hashem? Yes, but you have to see why and what exactly was happening there. Dalit. So what is the Indian of the wine of Tyre, right? The wine is what you get when you squeeze the grape. So when you look very deeply, what is the Yenya Shel that comes out of this parish of Rashi? Yeshleimar, you might say, Shemerumaz Bekesha Shabin Shnei Ha'ezbarim Ha'amorim Beperish Rashi. Rebbe says, we might say that what we're going to extract from looking at this Rashi is an allusion to the connection between these two Rashis and the connection, the comparison, and the difference, the contrast, on the other hand, is going to teach us something very profound that we can apply widely. We have explained in the past at length regarding the actions of the Avais, of Ram Yitzhak and that there are two ways that we can view the actions of the Avais. And in fact, we must view the actions of the Avais. Aleph. There's one level, on one level, we look at the actions of the Avais as they are on the level of their guf. And on that level, pshat, and on that level, even Avram has placed to suspect that maybe he has already gotten all the schar that Hashem is going to give him for everything that he did and that he is no longer deserving. And in this way, we might explain why Avram asked for a sign that he was actually going to inherit the land of Israel and he didn't just trust that Hashem had promised him. And in like fashion, Yaakov was very, very frantic when he, when he had to face Esau, that maybe his chusim had run out. And um, 
just because because it's a long sichas, I'm just the, the, what what's here in the brackets is that the Rebbe brings down that there's a story with a maggot of Mizrich, um, that he told a story that he saw Moshe Rabbeinu teaching children um, in 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 Gan Eden the pasuk vayipal Avram apana vayitzchak vayemer b'liba halven mei ashana yivaleid b'msara ba'astishim shana teleit Avram I'm sorry Moshe taught to children this pasuk where Avram falls on his face and he says. He laughs and he says, what? I'm going to have a child when I'm 100 years old and my old wife is going to have a child when she's 90. And Moshe explains to them, that you have to understand this pshat, that it seems that Avram did doubt Hashem, that he did doubt that, that Sarah would be able to have a baby, that he, would have to, that he would be able to have a baby. That's one level when you look at the Maisa Avais. Beis, Maisa Avais, Kefisha Nasa Mitzad Nishmasam. But then there's the level of the actions of the Avais as they are operating on their soul levels. On this level, there is no room for them to doubt Hashem's actions. And it's explained. And so now the Rebbe is relating it to the two Rashis. And he's saying, the Rashi at the end of last week's Parsha, which is Alder Pshat, is relating to the Pshat level, which parallels the level of Maisa Avais on the Guf level. And Pshat itself, the Rebbe says in parentheses, is the body of the Torah. And the, and the explanations in accordance with Medrash, they, on the other hand, address and explain and explicate the actions of the Avais on the level of Neshama. And the Rebbe says, and here we're going to see it in these two Rashi's. In Rashi's Perush last week, which is it addresses the actions of Avais on the Guf level. So on that level, Rashi could not bring proof from the from the forefathers, from from the from the from the Avais, that they did not push back or doubt Hashem, because there was dealing with personal items. Because on that level, there is room for the Avais to to suspect that maybe they did run out of their good graces, they did run out of their schusim, they did run out of schar, they they, they made a mistake. They, 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 there was a chait. Masha came, but a contradistinction in this week's Rashi, Lufi Rabbi Sinu Darshuhu, which is in accordance with Medrash, Agada Shebetera, Sherev Sayyidatayagnusimba, that we're taught that most of the secrets of the Torah are embedded in this level. And, and this is a very long discussion for, again, for another time, that sometimes you look at Agada. And, and it looks like it's a fantastical tale. There are certain stories in the Gemara, you're like, wait, what? 
Um, but we're taught that that embedded in those metaphor, in those in those analogies, in those quote unquote tall tales, are the greatest secrets. So on that level, that level is all about the neshama of the And therefore, there is room to bring these vignettes, these instances, these scenarios from the Avais where they did not push back, they did not doubt Hashem, even though it was personal. And once we understand this, we can now explain more fully exactly what Moshe's complaint was to Hashem. Tanas Moshe, the slave Parshish Moshe's complaint at the end of Parshish Moshe, Lama Hari Isla Amazer, or may us Basil Parla Dabbishmecha, Hera La Amazer. Why did you bring more harm on these people? From the moment that I went to talk to Pare, upon your mission, things became worse. Lefib Shotashal Mikra, Haisamitada Efen Arisha. According to Pshat, it was according to the first modality on the level of guf. And so on that level, there's place to say that Moshe actually doubted Hashem's actions. Like he says, These are the words of Rashi. Rashi says that Moshe said, I regret that you sent me. I regret that I had anything to do with this mission. So on the level of Pshat, yeah, there is place to say that Moshe doubted Hashem's actions. That he kavyachal had a complaint that he lodged against God. That his very mission that he undertook upon the word of Hashem caused pain and additional harm to B'nai Yisrael. And because on the level of Pshat, there is room to say that Moshe actually challenged Hashem, therefore he was punished. As Rashi says, therefore now you will see, you will see the downfall of Pari, you will see the downfall of Pari, but you will not see the downfall of the kings of the Sheva Omais, which means that already then Moshe was slated not to go into Eretz Yisrael. That is on the level of Pshat. But on the level, when you take the elevator up and you're on the level of Medrash, we have to explain what happened here in accordance with the second modality, the Neshama. And it's impossible to posit that Moshe actually doubted Hashem's actions, and that he was punished because of this. But the, the, the content of the complaint, on the level of the neshama, it's, it's what Rashi explains that many times Hashem said, I appeared to the Avois with the name Kel Shaddai, and they didn't 
ask me for more details, but you ask me, you want to understand my name. I know this means. You pushed me, Hashem said. You wanted to understand my great and awesome name. You wanted to understand the secrets of the Shem HaMefarish of the ineffable name. You were pushing me to grasp on to an understanding of Elikus that is much, much higher. Shem Havaya, you wanted to understand the secrets of Shem Havaya. Midas Amitishali, you wanted to understand my essential Mida, Shem HaEtzem, the essential name. And even when Moshe said, why did you make it worse for this people? It wasn't a case that he was doubting Hashem's actions on, 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 on like a literal level. But it was rather that he was trying to grasp with his intellect, as call all of the nuances, all of the details, all of the machinations of Hashem's mission. And now the Rebbe says, pay attention, and now we have a new appreciation for the specificity of the terms that Rashi uses. That in our Rashi here, in this parsha, he doesn't use the same terminology that he used in last week's Rashi to say that Moshe doubted my actions. But rather, in this week's parsha, on the level of Drash, on the level of the Neshama, it's about Moshe wanting to know the names of Hashem. So in last week's Parsha, to, to, to summarize before we go further, where it is Pshat, where it is the level of the Avois and Moshe on the level of Nisha, of, of Guf, and Pshat, the Rebbe says, is the Guf Aishel There, there is room to say, Kavyachal, that Moshe pushed back and actually doubted Hashem's actions, and therefore there's room to say that he was punished for this. Of course, we know why Moshe couldn't go into Eretz Yisrael, that's a whole other Indian. But Alpipshat, this is the beginning of that punishment. But in this week's parsha, when we're talking on the level of Neshama, the Rebbe says, what Moshe did when he said, is he was pushing to understand more deeply with his hasaga, with his seichel, with his intellectual prowess, exactly what Hashem wants from him and exactly what is going on here. And therefore, in this Rashi, Rashi uses a different Lashem. Not just different examples, a different Lashem. Over there, it's about hirharti achrei And here it's about and here you're pushing me about my needs. You want to understand who I am on the most essential level. Hey, but now, but now that we understand a little bit more about Maisha, now we have a big question. How is it possible that on the level of Pshat, Maisha actually doubted Hashem? 
אפילו מצד האופן האלף, כיוון שמדובר כאן במשה, even if you want to say according to the first modality, according to the פשט, according to the גוף, we're talking about משה רבינו, אשר מיד בהיוולדוי נאמר עליו התירא עסק כי טוב הוא, the Torah says that when he was born, they were able to see that he was good, and Rashi says, the whole house was filled with a celestial light. And especially, we're learning about Maisha juxtaposed against the Avais, and we're saying that the Avais did not doubt Hashem. And Maisha, who was the greatest of the entire human species, Gamea Avais, greater than even the, the patriarchs, hear her, he did doubt Hashem. The Gam Sarat Lahavin, and and so we have to understand how is it possible to say that Maisha doubted for a second, and also we have to understand, and this is something that appears in many sichas, because Rashi has already taught us in Barishas that 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 the, that the Torah won't even speak in a deleterious, in a, like a insulting manner about an animal that's that's not that's not a kosher animal. So, of course, if the Torah is so sensitive to animals, how much more so it is to people, to Jews, and how much more so to Moshe Rabbeinu, v'im came, madua mesupar betersha, Moshe yir al midaisa. So why does the Torah tell us that Moshe doubted Hashem? We have a rule that if the Torah tells us something, there has to be a lesson. What kind of lesson could there be in this that the Torah tells us that Moshe doubted Hashem? It's a little bit hard to posit that the reason the Torah tells us that Moshe doubted Hashem is to teach us that we should not doubt Hashem. And that we have to go in the ways of the Avos. Why can we not say that this is the lesson? Because it's, 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 it's oxymoronic. Because if we're learning here that Moshe was able to reach this level of not doubting Hashem, so how can you ask this of every Jew and at all times if Moshe Rabbeinu himself was unable to fulfill this tall order of never doubting Hashem? And so we're left with the question of how is it possible to say that Moshe Rabbeinu doubted Hashem? And even if he did, why would the Torah highlight this? Vav. The Yuvan Zali de Habir of Masha Perish Rashael Tabas Vaema Ella Avais. And now the Rabbi points us to another short Rashi. So if you still have your Chumash, take your Chumash. This is the kind of Rashi that everybody else would just gloss over. It's on Pasogimel Vaera. Rashi says, Va'era ela avais. But look at the Pasuk. Va'era el Avram el Yitzhak vel Hello. The Pasuk is telling us who Hashem appeared to. Va'era. <laughs> so what is Rashi adding by saying el avais? This is a very well-known question. Like the super commentaries in Rashi have asked. The Pasuk itself tells us who Hashem says he appeared to. 
So what in heaven's name is Rashi coming to add by saying El Ha'avois? So Rebbe explains, with this word, with these words, El Ha'avois, Bikesh Rashi Leva'er, Rashi wants to explain to us, Sheha'inyan v'ha'ilui diva'era el Avram that this experience that the Avais had, that they saw Getlachkeit, they saw Elokus, they saw Godliness, that they saw it with certainty in concretized fashion, like the certainty that comes with seeing something physical. Okay, so we all know that we're sitting in front of computers because we could see the physical computer. So this level of seeing godliness that the others experience, which brought them to a place where they could never doubt my actions. Rashi wants to teach us that this level they were privy to this level. They were zeichet to this level because El Ha'avois, because they were the fathers of Bnei Yisrael, Dahainu, meaning. They were vested, they were loaded, they were bequeathed, this particular level of being able to see Hashem in concrete fashion because they were always, and because this was something that would have to pass through them, be Yerusha, as an inheritance to all of their children afterwards. And the Rebbe here quotes the Mishnah, that the father gives the child, he bequeathed to the child, beauty, intelligence, etc. And like is explained in Torah R and R Parsha, the Gemara says in Brachos that only these three people are called Avos. That this Bechina, this modality, this facet of the personality of Avais is that they bequeath to their children in every generation. They create our DNA, our spiritual DNA. And this Bechina, this aspect of Avais, has to show up in each one of their progeny until the end of time. And now we can understand what Hashem says to Meshach in a whole different way. I, 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 I mourn, I miss those who have passed that cannot be replaced. Because the way that I appear to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov was because they were Avos. So then nobody could ever say, oh, you can't compare me to Avram. 
Because we're talking about a quality that they have that comes to them as the Avois, and that quality, is embedded in each one of their offspring, of their ancestors, just because they are a child of Avais. And therefore, so Hashem says, I'm bemoaning the fact that you're not manifesting, as it were, this level of era, this level of being able to see Hashem in concrete fashion and therefore not doubt Hashem that should have been bequeathed to you through the office. So now in Zion, the Rebbe pushes back and he says, it would seem, we could still make a distinction between the Abbas and the children. True, we just explained that Va'era Rashi hints when he says El Avais, which seems to be completely extra redundant and extraneous. Why does he have to say El Avais? He's hinting to us that this level of Va'era was because they were Avais and because everything would pass from them to their children, including this perception of Hashem on this level, on this concrete level. So then Hashem is saying to Moshe, why don't you have it? But Rebbe says, but it would seem that we should be able to say, no, there's a difference between the Avais and their children. Although our DNA comes from our parents, in other words, even though the father gives to the children Al pi Yerusha, Mikol Makam Muvan. It's still in all. It's understood. Shall Achar and Yanim Ovim Liyerusha Liyerish Ena Magiim Lachdei Malasam Biyosemetzalav. But we could still say that there is a difference in a level of potency. It doesn't go to the child in the same strength as it was in the father. And if you're thinking that sometimes it's Yafa Kayachaben. That, that sometimes it even shows up stronger in the next generation. That's that's another Indian that is discussed in Hasidus. Like we say, it always depends on the context. But in this context, Rebbe is saying that there's a possibility for something to be um, stronger in one generation, and but then show up in the next generation in a little bit of a weaker form. So why shouldn't we say that the same thing is here is true here? And because there's a possibility that it appears in less potent form in the next generation, we could explain and say, that the level of actually being able to apprehend and perceive God on that, on that level is not in the full potency that it was by the others. But the Rebbe says, but the explanation against this is also alluded to in Rashi's Perush on the word Va'era, El Ha'avais, to the fathers. Again, who but the Rebbe would look at this, these words, El Ha'avais, and, and, and teach us this whole new spectacular understanding on those two words. The Rebbe says, through these two words, Rashi is explaining, Kol Hagilu Diva Era Haya El Ha'avos. 
the whole reason that they got this giloy of va'era, of being able to see Hashem on that level, was only because they were fathers. The Haino meaning, they did not earn this level of seeing Hashem because of their overtures, because of their accomplishments. It wasn't because of their madrega the way they were. And each of them had madrega hamiyuchedes b'avodas Hashem, and each one of them had their own particular modality. Avram ohevai bekava ava, pachad Yitzchak bekava gvura. Avram was about chesed, and Yitzchak was about gvura. But that's not how they came onto this level of the era. Elohu kashur, but rather it was connected. Ach virak leinian hayosam avos libanim shaben yerushakol. They only got this because of their stature and job as a voice. And in that capacity, it all goes to the children. The children inherit everything. And so in this particular instance of Vaera, which they only got in order to pass down in its entirety to the next generation, there's no difference between the Abbas and the children. The Rebbe here again explains that when you see a difference in the level between the parent and the child, it's only regarding the things that the father earned through his own Avaidah. As, as, as one who serves Hashem. And although it's true that even things that the fathers do, that they acquire on the merit of their own service, also goes be Canal the Mishnah of Mayrish, like in the Mishnah that we that the Rebbe referenced above, that the child gets the beauty and the intelligence of the father. But on that level, when we're talking about things, that the father acquired through his own um, initiative and his own service. There, there is possibility for there to be discrepancy between the level of the father and level of the one who inherits the child. In contradistinction, in what we are discussing here, who, I'm sorry, Vaera El Ha'avois, El Hatoyer Vahametsius Hayetimis Haben. But in this case, we are talking about a superlative quality of Vaera that Hashem appeared, El Ha'avois, but only on the level of Ha'avois, specifically and entirely because they are the fathers. This is the entire identity which is created. The child creates this identity of the father. And on that level, move on. And so in this particular case, it's understood that whatever it is that's superlative about the father goes to the son. It was actually only, it only came to the father because of the child. 
So in accordance with everything we've just explained, God love you. So now our original question has just been elevated to a much, much greater question. It's much, much harder to understand. If the Rebbe has just explained to us that every single Jew has, through inheritance, this same level of va'era, because we are all children of Yaakov, so how is it possible that this level of va'era that each one of us is vested with did not prevent Moshe from doubting Hashem's actions. How is that possible? And we might say that this is the explanation. Our sages taught, Our B'nai Yisrael were not redeemed from Mitzrayim only on the merit of their belief in Hashem, their Munahainu. This means that for the Jews in Mitzrayim, there was revealed their Pintalayit, that essential core, the connection between B'nai Yisrael and Hashem. And this comes to expression through the belief of B'nai Yisrael and Hashem. And it was in the schus of this emuna that they were able to be redeemed from Mitzrayim. And even though Earlier, B'nai Yisrael, as they were mired in the difficulty of the Golos, they were believers. But that belief, that was the belief, that's the belief that's endemic to B'nai Yisrael, believers, the children of believers. This was a faith that they acquired through inheritance, that is always found in the children, irrespective of how these children, B'nai Yisrael, appear on the level of their externalities, they always have this they always believe as a children of believers. When you look on the level of their how they were expressing themselves in manifest fashion, on the level of how they were, their, their you know the facets of their personalities and how they were operating, or they were still not on the level, and this is expression that we learned last week, Sicha, or Muna. they were still not in manifest fashion nourished by faith. There was not yet Shlemus Hagilu de Emuna. There was not yet the completion of the revelation of Emuna. And in order for Bnei Israel to be redeemed from Mitzrayim, on their own merit, that their redemption should come as a schar, 
for their own avoda, and the connection the faith had to become something that they owned, that was theirs, not just something that they inherited, but something that they had earned. Tess. And this is exactly what was effectuated through Moshe Rabbeinu. This is exactly the distinction between what the fathers drew down to what Moshe Rabbeinu was able to draw down, spiritually speaking. When you talk about the level of the avos, the modality of the avos, as we said above, when you talk about the avos, then the emuna and the pintalayid that is found in every single Jew, this is something they acquire through the means of inheritance. And this is embedded in the, in, in the nature of the Jew because of their DNA, because they are a child of Ram Yisrael. But when we talk about Meshur Rabbeinu, in addition to the fact that he was one of the seven shepherds that draw down vivifying force and godliness to all of the souls of B'nai Yisrael, but he has a distinction of being the general um, faithful, the shepherd of faith. It is exclusively Moshe Rabbeinu who nourishes and nurtures and sustains the emuna in every Jew on a manifest level that you could say that the Jew is nourished by faith. That it should be an inward, not just makif, not just more external and hovering above, but it should be something that saturates the person. It should be a complete and a strong and all suffusing faith that reaches the innermost level of the soul. It's a kind of emuna that ascertains that the entire entity of the person is, is filled with and is pervaded with emuna Hashem that saturates every aspect of him and therefore is also manifest in Maisebepoil and the practical actions. Yud. Now, based on everything we've said above, so now we're in a position to understand what was Moshe doing when he said, 
And then we will also understand why the Torah tells us about this. Although Avraham never questioned Hashem, but why is the Torah tell us that Mesha did? Now we're going to understand this in a whole different way. And we will also understand Hashem's answer. Because now the, the Geula is coming closer. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to Hashem at a time where the Geula is at hand. Moshe was sent upon the mission of Hashem to redeem B'nai Yisrael. Now at this junction, as the as they come closer to redemption, their emuna can't just be on the level of ma'aminim b'nei ma'aminim. It has to be in a way where the emuna penetrates every single aspect. And this was effectuated. This level came to pass through Moshe saying and challenging, This is what Moshe did. When Moshe said those words, he caused Hashem to say the words, this means that this level of the era, this level of being able to see Hashem in concrete fashion, by evoking Hashem's speech, the word va'era, and therefore evoking this level of being able to see Hashem on that level, Moshe actually changed the reality for the Jews. He changed He changed their connection to godliness. That is that that he changed the the quality of their connection that they have with Hashem through Amuna. What happened? Now their Amuna was not just something they inherited; it was something they owned. It was something they actually. Through asking, through challenging Hashem, Moshe created or affected this elevation that the level of Vaera, the completion of this level of Amuna should operate amongst B'nai Yisrael, and on that level, that completely obviates any possibility of challenging Hashem. The Lachain Kasav Rashi B'Sayf Parsha Shmois Hir Harti Al Midoisai Loi Ka'avraham Shaloi Hir Achar Midoisai. That's why Rashi in last week's Rashi wrote exactly the words that he did. You challenged my actions, not like Avram who did not challenge my actions. 
through this Rashi underscores, that level of not challenging the actions that every Jew has, that Moshe had also, is not enough. Because that only, only, something that can be And because it's something that came out Yerusha, and it's not something that's completely integrated into the very fabric of their own inner landscape and their own psyche, therefore there is room to doubt. And what did Moshe accomplish? But when Moshe said, and Hashem said, through that exchange, through that discourse, through that dialogue, a complete change happened to B'nai Yisrael. Through Hashem's speech, this gilui, this level of era of every one of the Jews being able to see Hashem in concrete fashion like the others did, changed and, and became a reality. And now we can really understand in a whole new way the difference, the, the, the great difference between the two Rashi's. The difference between Pshat, which is at the end of last week's Parsha, and what our sages taught Al-Pshat. When, the Rebbe says, when we said earlier that Rashi, when he brings us Pshat, he's explaining on the level of Guth, the Rebbe says, I want to disabuse you of a mistake you could be making. And that is, I don't want you to leave this sikha thinking that it's actually that Moshe had challenges and had problems with Hashem's actions. Because the Torah said he's taif. <laughs> So it is no place, there's no possibility for Moshe to actually have challenged Hashem's. It's only that it appears as if Moshe actually challenged Hashem. And therefore, on the level of Pshat, the Guv, and that is a level that is relevant to any Jew on any level. So, over there it's explained as if Moshe actually doubted Hashem. To teach us that this second level of era can be effectuated by everyone of B'nai Yisrael, even those that on the level of guf, at this moment, their guf master al-hanshama. At this moment, they are still in a situation where their guf shrouds and obscures their neshama. 
כך שהאמונה שמצד הנשמה אינה מאירה בגלוי. There are Jews who at this moment, the neshama level of Eira, the neshama level of, of Amuna is not yet illuminated. And the goof level is still capable of asking, why did you do this, Hashem? And to actually doubt Hashem Kipshutim. But the Rebbe says, But even by such a Jew, Moshe is able to affect because Moshe is a koilah that's called Yisrael, because Moshe, um, he, he includes all of Bnei Yisrael, and so therefore he's able to affect, even by such a do, Hagili Diva'era. He's able to affect the level and the, um, the revelation of Va'era. Gili ha'is amsus ba'iskashu shalidei emunah. He's able to affect this level of integrated and true emuna and connection to Hashem, Hamevi Lashlila Shal Hero Hero, that brings to a level that obviates doubts and even to oppose doubts. But on the level of this week's Rashi and our Parsha, on the level of Rabbi Sinu Doshu and on the level of the Nisham of Torah, Niris Ha'aris Hanisham Ha'isel Bnei Yisrael, there is already manifest this level amongst all of Bnei Yisrael, and on that level, and therefore there is no place for Rashi to even talk about that you doubted my actions, which are the words of Rashi in last week's Rashi. On this level, every Jew is not capable of even doubting Hashem's actions. We just want to understand We just want to understand in our seichel, why? But Moshe effectuates the way in which we are nourished by faith. That even in our seichel, we should recognize and we should understand and we should have Hashem should be integrated in, into us in a way of the era that we can see in a way that transcends our intellect and any level of reason you'd base. And when we understand all of the above, so this will understand the connection between which begins tonight, which is the Yom Hayelula of the Al-Terebe to Parshas and this is in accordance with the teaching of the Shalah that every Yom Tev has to be connected to the Parsha in which it falls. And we'll understand it, we'll understand it in conformity with the Kfiyas of this year, the same as this year, and many, many years it's this way, that Chavdalatevis falls in the Parsha of the Era. The novelty of Chasidus Chabad, that was revealed through the Alter Rebbe. And here the Rebbe quotes Alt Rebbe that on the day of the Yelula, all of the work and all of the Torah of the Baal Yelula and all of his service, all of it, 
rises upwards. And it is revealed and it illumines in, in a way of that it saturates this world. That we're, we're on the cusp of a day in which the world is going to be saturated with the light of Altarena. And so what was the novelty of the Alter What was the Alter Rebbe's unique overlay? One of the novelties was for sure that we should be nourished through the deepest teachings of, of the Torah, of the Zayar. The emuna zubelokus misgalis aideters chasidus chabad boifin shetimole de tachtor es kol metzias adam. And it shouldn't just be boifin makif. It shouldn't just be something that we have, you know, surround sound. It shouldn't be, should be, it shouldn't just be, um, tzadik be emunasa yichaye. And we get this off of the tzadik. No. The novelty of Hasidus Chabad was that each one of us should be filled and suffused with this Torah. And it should begin with the intellect. Chabad. Until the Gilei Elkus will not just be on the core level, on the Pintle Yid level. But no, it should be something that is complete, that comes to our Avoida, comes to our overture, comes to our Kaychis. Even though before we would begin this study, we would not be Shaykh to this on our own. And this the Alter Rebbe accomplished. This was the breakthrough. This was the novelty that the Alter Rebbe brought down these teachings in a way that would be able to be inculcated into our nefesh through our Chabad. Ad luchutza. So listen to this novel understanding of chutza. Here, chutza is the Chabad. Because if you were to look on the, you know, on the, on the logical level, Chabad, the, our intellectual faculties are chutza. They are external to our neshama. And you might even say that by definition, intellect would obscure and obfuscate emuna, faith. But the Alter Rebbe created a novel reality where not only our Chabad doesn't obscure our faith, but it actually is the conduit through which we get to a much higher level. And he did it on such a level as to parallel what Moshe accomplished through saying where he elicited 
and he elicited Hashem saying back to him, I appear to the others. That what was affected by Moshe when he said to Hashem, and Hashem said back to him, and Rashi says that now every Jew was vested with that same level of emuna, not just the default level that came to them that through inheritance, but a level of conviction that was unshakable because it was that level that the Avois had that they were able to see Hashem in concrete fashion. And the Alter Rebbe affected the same thing for all of us. And just like B'nai Yisrael were redeemed from Mitzrayim, their emunah, so too will be for us with the Geula, the true Geula, and the complete Geula, that through the wellsprings of the Alter Rebbe spreading forth, even to Chutza, to the outlying places, which now we understand in a different way. That the Geul is going to come through an amuna that nourishes us and that is revealed to us through our intellectual faculties that grasp Hasidus Chabad, and therefore is able to reach and is able to pervade the Chutzah Mamish, the Chutzah of ourselves, the Chutzah of the world, Azai Asimar. Then Mashiach finally come. Da Malka Mashiach. Those words Mar, that word Mar, Mister, refers to Malka Mashiach, to Melech Mashiach, Uklal Yisrael, the Echad Mi Yisrael, and all of us together, and each one of us, Yisku Legula Hamitis Bahashlema Bimheira Biamenu Mamish, will be Zeche to the complete and true Geula, and it should be speedily in our days, mamash. I wish everybody a wonderful day, a wonderful week, a good, a good almost yamtiv, a good erev yamtiv, and kol tuv selva. Thank, thank you, you thank, you, much. thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone still on? Chabad Abington's running their charity campaign right now. I don't have the link at my fingertip, but it's probably findable somebody wants <laughs> 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 <laughs>